Welcome to A Love Like This. I'm Abby. I'm Paige. And I'm Ben. And we are so glad that you are here. As we sit down each week with some amazing guests and close friends, our hope is that you would be encouraged to take heart in the troubles of this world and would start living a more abundant and fruitful life. Today's episode is a bit of a special one. I set up a picnic rug under the stars, in reality, under the clouds, but you guys can't see that, so who cares? Abby and I had a magnificent conversation about awe and wonder, about being significantly insignificant. We spoke about the mystery of the universe and heaven and how beautiful God's creation truly is. After listening to a sermon called Indescribable, we were reminded how freaking incredible it is that we can go outside and look up at a galaxy filled with hundreds and hundreds of billions of stars, all of which God knows by name. The same God who made everything made you and me. And that's pretty damn incredible. And well, we just wanted to talk about that. Last night at Connect, I got to listen to Indescribable by Louis Giglio. Is that his Giglio. name? Giglio. Giglio. Yeah. <laughs> and if you guys haven't heard that um that sermon, I think it was a speaking tour or something like yeah. that. It's absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, you know what? I want to do an episode all about the mystery. Ooh. Oh, by the way, for the people listening, Ben hasn't told me at all what we're talking about. So, like, I haven't prepared anything or... Not a single thing. This is going to be all <laughs> off the cuff for her, but hopefully, hopefully it's inspiring and pretty cool. Okay. First question, Abby. Oh, my gosh. It's like Q&A stuff. Yeah, okay. No, I'm jumping. No, the only reason is it's more of a prompt. I have to stop smiling. I keep smiling while I speak because <laughs> stuff excites me. It's so cool. But in the sermon, mm-hmm. Louis, Pastor Louis, says something in it where... He kind of explains that God can measure the universe in like the gap of his fingers or like God can like hold the universe in like the palm of his hands, pretty much saying like how grand um, God is. Why do you think it's so important for people to know that they're significantly insignificant? Well, um, I want to, can I give a backstory to why I think that this is important? So I remember I was like in year 12 and I just remember I feel like I that's when I really started to love space like I always loved the stars but dad and I and Paige always used to hang out under the stars and we did a couple trips to America where we visited like Mount Charleston and we witnessed like the most amount of stars I've ever seen in my whole entire life Um, and I really fell in love with it but I do love what Louis says about how we need to be well did you come up with that no did you come up with that he says it It's, it's yeah so significantly, I I significantly insignificant and why that's important. I think it's important because I always tell people, I'm like, we need to look up. Like we honestly need to look up. And I think when we get caught up in the awe and the wonder of God and his creations, and I think stars is like such a good place to start. Like we can look at the earth and look at the plants and the birds and even the people around us and see all of his work and his majesty. But there's just something different about the stars. And I think it comes down to what Louis talks about in the sermon about how small it makes us feel, like so small. Why? What are your thoughts on it? Um, I think it's so cool because so much of, it's not even a testimony, but one of the biggest things that brought me to faith was Vapor and Ecclesiastes, right? And the whole book in the Bible and the whole, I guess, premise of like Vapor is that everything disappears at some point in time, right? Like at the end of your life, all of your time like spent on earth turns to dust, right? It disappears. And I think that there's so many things that happen in every single day of our lives that seem like these huge grand, you know, decisions or events or moments. But in, you know, 
the reality of eternity. It's it's nothing. Like it's literally nothing. And so I think that you know being significantly significantly <laughs> <laughs> being significantly insignificant, insignificant is all about how you know, even though we are here on earth for such a short period of time, yeah. that time is significant in the eyes of God. Yeah. And that it's for a purpose or else what would be the purpose That's of even so being true. here? But do you find, Ben, that when, say, for example, we're looking at the stars and we have this crazy revelation of like, oh my goodness, like our time on here on earth is vapor. We don't mean that in like, we're going to die and it just What's life? Like, mm. who cares? Why even try? Why even make the most of it? Mm. It's because of that perspective that we want to make the most of living life. Like, because we are insignificant, all the more reason why we should be bringing people to the one who is significant. Like, we need to, do you know what I mean? Like, it, it makes the things that don't, that, sorry, the things that aren't important, it really highlights that. Yeah, well, it's um, set your hearts, not just on things, not of, on earth, things of this earth, not on the vapor. But set your heart's not just on the gift, but the giver. Yes. Right. So that's it's so a, true. About appreciating everything that you can see, feel, touch, and enjoy. Mm-hmm. But then also, you know, gaze upon the stars and know that there's something much, much grander. Yeah. And that ties into, again, what Louis talks about. But I mean, I feel like we have discussions about this all the time of, about how science doesn't need to oppose, mm. you know, faith. Yeah. And well, I, I don't want to ask this as like a question, but more as like a prompt. <laughs> but. How or why do you think God like orchestrated the Big Bang? The Big Bang? Yeah. Well, I love how Louis describes it because mm. every I could never wrap my head around creation. Like I was like, wait, did the Big Bang happen? Is evolution a thing? Like I wasn't really sure where was. And then Adam and Eve just came and I don't know. I just used to get really confused about it. But I love how Louis says that when God spoke creation into existence, for sure there would have been a Big Bang. Like 100% as in like <laughs> physically bang, he spoke light. He, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's, it's really funny because there's actually been so many scientists throughout history that have set out to prove, you know, why and how the universe came to be. So many people don't know though, that a lot of those scientists and astronomers and astrologists, they were all people of faith. You know, they were all on this journey to try and in a sense, prove God's existence through, you know, what we call science, math, numbers, evolution, it's like the that, Big Bang, right? that song that we love, So Will I. For once you have spoken, all nature and science follow the sound of your voice. Hey, that's cool. I think science is the the human way of explaining God's creation. And I actually love learning about science. Like, I love it so much. I'll never forget um, learning about um, the way babies are made. No, the way babies <laughs> are formed. I know it doesn't sound like it has context, but... Well... Give it, give it. I'll bring it. Uh, when a mama and a daddy <laughs> love each other very much. <laughs> but learning about it, the guy who created um, MRI scans, mm. he couldn't even explain it. He's some genius mathematician and he said it's like magic. And I was like, no, yeah. dude, like it's God. But mm. you look at the way a baby's formed and then you look at the way somehow a hippo that can kill a human being also has a motherly instinct to feed its kid. Like it's insane. And then you look at the stars and it all kind of comes back to this whole idea that, like, it had to have been God. Yeah. There's and, uh, no Can I give you a really cool example, right? And I, I was thinking about this in the car today. And, well, like, I'm, you know, I love metaphors and things, but I was trying to think of a really practical way to explain to people how science can almost prove, you know, a lot of what we as Christians believe, right? Okay. For all the non-scientific nerds <laughs> that, that are listening, the speed of light, right? is the distance <laughs> that light travels in a year. Okay, so the speed of light travels at 300,000 kilometers a second. 
300,000 kilometers in one second, right? That's how fast the speed of light is. And so a light year is the distance that light travels over the course of a year at the speed of light, right? So like, let's, let's get the exact number. It blows my, I think the part I get confused about is how it's, it's saying light. Okay. So this one's going to blow everyone's mind a little bit. The actual distance in kilometers of a light year is about 9.46 trillion kilometers or 9.46 times 10 to the power of 12 zeros. In one light year. So that's the amount of kilometers. So you think you know, how far it takes you to walk one kilometer. That's a kilometer distance wise yeah. times that by 9.46 trillion. 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 Not, not 100 billion, no. not 200 billion, not even 500 billion, but a trillion. Exactly. But what I'll tell you is really incredible about the speed of light, right, is obviously light works by hitting your retina, right, like at the back of your head, and that's what tells your brain that, like, you're seeing and perceiving things, right? Obviously, there's a lot more to it. But when you look up at the stars, right, and in astronomy, they obviously measure the distance between where we are and things in space by light years because that's just how vast. You literally can't wrap your head around. So, like, it would take, it's going to sound stupid, but in order to get somewhere that's one light year away. It's going to take you a very long time. Like 900 trips. Kilometers to 900 kilometers. Whatever the trillion thing. 9.46 trillion. It would yeah. take you a very long time to yeah. drive there. Put it that way. Yeah. What I'm trying to get at, right, is that in space and astronomy, the way that they measure the distances between planets, stars, you know, the universe is in light years. And that's the amount of distance that light has to travel in a year, right? So it's 9.46 trillion kilometers is one light year, right? I'm talking some stars are thousands and thousands and thousands of light years apart, right? But I'll make it really easy for everyone listening. If you guys go outside, right, and you look at the sun, don't stare at the sun, and you block that out. You go out at night, right? The next nearest star to Earth is called Alpha Centauri, right? And it's about four light years away. So it's 9.46 trillion kilometers times four, right? It's very far, or it's four light years away. What that actually means, right, for us here on Earth is that when we look up and see that star, we're actually looking back four years in time, right? Pretty crazy, right? Because it took four years for that light to travel all the way through space, all the way through our atmosphere and touch your eye and bounce off, right? Pretty incredible. You know, you think back to what you were doing four years ago and that star's already four years ahead of where we are now. It's pretty incredible, right? What about 20,000 years, right? What about 100,000 years? And then you kind of think to yourself, but if God has a plan for my whole life and he knows every single decision I'm ever going to make, like to, for people us on, like us on earth, that, that's such a weird concept, right? It's like, how can he see the future? But in reality, when you look up at space, you are looking into the past. So how can people say that this is such a weird concept? It can never occur. You know, God, God, how could God know something that hasn't even happened? But well, we're actually doing it. We're living in a universe where things have already happened. That's you know, insane. and God orchestrated it all. So, but Ben, doesn't this blow your mind? That first of all just blew my mind. Second of all, I love how Dad talks about the next closest star, Alpha Centauri. I remember like trying to wrap my head around space as a whole. I'm like, Dad, what is the black stuff? I'm like, what is that? Like, why why do we just see dark and then like beyond out beyond us? So like, just for reference, there's our solar system, which is just around one single star, our sun. Then there's Alpha Centauri, and you look up in the sky and there are billions of stars, right? Some that we can't even see. And every star has to function. Well, yeah, it, it can only function if there are planets orbiting oh, around here, it. I'll give you a quick one, right? So um, do you know there's actually 10 to the power of 25 planets, no, in our universe, right? 
is huge number. It's okay if you're not good with big numbers. It's 100 quintillion is the number. It, it, you literally cannot even begin to process and fathom how big that number actually is, right? But I'll give you a comparison. So there's 100 quintillion, 100 quintillion planets. There's about 7 quintillion grains of sand on every beach on Earth. 7 quintillion compared to a 100 quintillion. <laughs> so you look like, at, you pick up a handful of sand and you see all of the little specks of sand. Think about every single beach there is in this whole entire planet. There are more stars in our ga- in our universe than that. It's incredible, but right? It's mind-blowing, Ben, because even when you zoom out at our Milky Way galaxy and you think about all of the other systems that have to be in place in order for these stars to work, then you zoom out of our galaxy and you see our Milky Way. Then outside of our Milky Way, there's another galaxy. And then in that galaxy, there's trillions of stars. And then you zoom out and there's trillions of other galaxies. And then we don't even know what's beyond that. It's crazy, right? And this is going to lead into my next kind of question because I did want to center this whole episode about mystery, right? So going back to that 20,000 years, it wasn't just a random number I picked, right? So when a star dies, it's called a supernova, right? And these stars, they like implode on themselves and then collapse and explode in like this amazing, beautiful, cool sight, right? It's incredible. The last one that was observed from Earth was in 1604, right? 1604 was the last time that they saw one and observed one from Earth. What they were looking at, though, was a star that had died and it was 20,000 light years away, which means that what they were actually seeing occurred 20,000 years in the past, and that star was dead, right? And so it got me thinking, if stars die, and like we can look at that, what happens after when we die? So we asked our cousin Stevie Joe um, this question in an episode, I think it was in season one, it would have been like very, very early on, but when you think of heaven, what do you imagine? Are you asking me? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to be very specific with where my head goes every time I think about it. So, if anybody's seen The Shack, then you know what I'm talking about. But there is a scene where um, Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit are with Mac, and they are staring at all these souls. Anyway, when I think of heaven, I'm not going to... Ben, do you want me to talk about like who I see in heaven or just what I... I want you to tell me exactly what you imagine when you think of heaven. Okay, well, first off... Obviously, we get the whole spiritual thing, like there's no pain, there's no suffering, no sin, there's nothing. It's just all joy because we're with Jesus. And then I picture like beautiful like mountains like in Montana. And then, but like it's, it's, it's daytime, but you can still see the galaxies, but you see them like the way God sees them. It's like you can actually have the eyes to see all of the billions of stars and all the, all of the galaxies. And I picture like, I don't know. Like, that's just where my head always goes. It's like this beautiful place, but you can also, like, have God's lens. Does that make sense? No, it does. I think it was your page described it to me. Like, you imagine this meadow with, like, yeah. a massive dining table, like an outdoor table in yes. the middle of it. literally. There's, yeah. like, tables. And there's, like, and a there's cross like in a meadow. Kids everywhere. And what's really cool is, like, our dad has this image of heaven where when you get there, God's like, what do you want to do? You know, and our dad says, Give, I want a tour of the universe. Like, let's, let's go and damn right, take your time because we've got a lot of it, right? I think that's so cool. I'm trying to think when I imagine heaven, what do I imagine? It's actually very similar, I think, to to what you kind of said. And it's also the shack, but I don't know if you guys have seen this photo that the Hubble telescope took of the Eagle Nebula. And inside of the Eagle Nebula, there's this like gas cluster, right? This like cluster of gases called um, the Pillars of Creation. 
don't know if you've seen it. It almost looks like these like pillars, like oh, yeah, reaching yeah, yeah. for heaven. I know heaven. what you're talking about. Yes, and yes. I remember the first time I ever saw it was in this book that dad had when I was a really little kid. And I remember thinking that it was the most incredibly beautiful thing that I have literally ever seen. Yeah. Right. And so I always imagine that heaven is kind of like that. Like it's like the aurora. Like it's just this most beautiful, incredible sight. But in saying that, there's um that lyric in Need to Breathe Child Again, right? And it's in the cosmic light in the by and by. You know, you've got, you listen to the child likeness episode, guys, and you'll know it. But I have this proclamation of faith and a part of it um, is a twist on that lyric. And it says, and so in the by and by amongst the cosmic light, I take heart in knowing heaven will be waiting. And that's kind of like what reaffirms like to me, like my faith. I try and read it all the time. It's just this really small part of it. But how do you think people can become more courageous in the unknowingness? You know, like we have such a good visual of heaven and we know in our hearts that it's true, but how can people have more confidence and courage to know it's true, even though they probably never really will? I think that if we're talking about like practical, just like our friends here on earth, if they want to know like, how am I set for eternity? Because I know I have some people who don't even believe in eternity or don't even think heaven is real. But in order for them to gain confidence and if they don't want to go to Jesus as their first priority, if church isn't their thing, if reading the Bible isn't their thing, even though it says in the Bible, like we all know that eternity is for us because um, it's thanks to Jesus that we get to, you know, know it's actually real thanks to Jesus. But I would say to like learn from what other people have experienced, like like we're going to hopefully, fingers crossed, get this, um, get Amber on our podcast and her, we won't talk about it too much, but her son passed away but the stories that she says that she fully has confidence in knowing that heaven exists is it it rocks me to my core because I'm like how can somebody say that they are so confident in knowing that heaven is like heaven is real to have experienced that and then I just think like we are promised like this this earth is only like a little hallway like it's a doorway into the next life and and I don't say like next life as if we're going to come back to like it's that. No, I'm talking about eternity with Jesus. This is just a little footstep into that. So I think in order for people to gain courage about it, I would just say like to learn that it actually is real. Yeah. But even more so, I think the way that people can do that, right, is to look at their lives and look at the opportunities and the blessings that they actually have. Because I also kind of find that I feel most um, confident in like my belief in heaven when I'm thinking of like Papa. Yeah, When I'm so thinking true. of Poppy, right? Like people who have you know, passed away, but then something happens in my life that I'm like, you know, this could not have, nothing that I've done with my hands has made this occur and nothing that anyone I know has done has made this occur. You know, this has to be from God. And it's almost like, okay, well, where's God? Of course he's everywhere, but he's also waiting for us to, you know, come home as morbid as it sounds, right? Yeah, it's true. And so I find a lot of peace in those moments when, you know, you, th- you think about the blessings. It's weird, really strange, to be honest, when, when you call yourself out on it. Yeah, and I don't mean to make this like morbid, like we're talking about death or anything, but I remember as a kid thinking like death and dying, obviously it's it's awful, this side of eternity. But I love how, um, it was something Amber said with her with her son, he was talking about how much he Jesus is his best friend. And she was saying how as children, the veil between earth and heaven is so thin. I'm like, well, why is it just when we're children? The veil between earth and heaven should be thin all of our lives knowing that heaven is like right here it's right here I used to picture like death being so scary and like everyone like it's dark and you don't know where you're going but now I see it as like a celebration it's like party time coming home but do you know what I'm saying that's why like and that's it sounds so terrible sometimes I catch myself thinking that if I was to like die in this exact Mm. moment 
it, it wouldn't be sad. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't want it to be sad. And it's not like I'm excited to die. That's yeah. like not what I'm trying to yeah. say. But you know what? Part of me kind of is. I think it's a bit face like face a face Jesus. Bit, right? It's like, yeah. yeah. But, I, but I think as as this, like this world, because we have such, because majority of this world, like a lot of people don't know that there is a heaven. They don't know that Jesus exists. But I just have so much confidence in knowing that. Thank God that I know now because I'm not scared of it. Like, no, I'm not scared of like eternity at all. And I'm just so thankful that on this side of eternity, I get to live it with Jesus. I get to have the abundant life that He promised that I have because of Him. And you know what? If anyone is listening who is an atheist or doesn't believe in God or whatever it might be, how good to know that our God is a loving God and that when you do come to that point and you're in the cosmic light and you're in the beautiful meadow and you're wherever or whatever heaven is for you and God says, come on in. You know, find a lot of peace in that. I know. You know, he's so gracious too. Even here on earth, if you're yeah, if you are an atheist and you don't know, it's like he's with open arms waiting for you. Just being like, I'm just here yeah. waiting. I love it. I love it so much. So in saying that, and in saying that, you know, from Earth we can see stars dying twenty thousand years in the past from you know the cosmos. If you're in heaven, right, looking at us right now having this conversation, what advice would you give yourself? Because we ask our guests this all the time, but I'm going to ask you. If I was in heaven and I was yeah. looking at us right now. What advice would you give yourself in this exact moment, having just come from Connect? Can you go first? <laughs> I'm going to answer my own question. Yes. What would I say to myself? Yes. Because I would just want to quote scripture and, and pretend I'm speaking from God's mouth. <laughs> no, I know, I know exactly what I would say to myself, actually. And I realized it last night that it is so important to take so many moments or as many moments as you can every day to just be still and to really, really, really appreciate exactly where you are or like where your feet are, to quote you twins. I think you stole that from someone. But to really just appreciate exactly the moment that you're living right now because when you go outside and you look at the stars and you realize how grand space is and how large our universe is and how literally insignificant yet still significant we are, just to take it in, you know, as, as much as you can try to, you know. I mean, we mentioned a number before that had 25 zeros after it. Yeah. That's hard to take in in a literal sense, right? Yeah. But to actually give yourself those moments. And an example, like last night, I was just at Beck's house, just watching her mum and her sister talk. And Beck, you know, wanted to watch TV. And I, I was just so content in just sitting there in that moment or like the other day when I was just out on my deck after I'd mowed the lawn, just sitting there listening, literally doing nothing. And I do not do that often. And I'm realizing now that I really want to do it more. And so when I was thinking about that question, if I was to look down on myself and knowing how finite my time on earth actually is to kind of slap me and say, dude, like appreciate as much of it as you possibly can. Stop thinking about the future. Stop thinking about the past. Just try and really be exactly where yeah. you are. I was thinking too, like I could go, I could say all of the crazy sentences and quote scripture and know the plans that God has for you and just do all this. But I think now that you're saying that, it kind of remind me to not, like I would probably say to myself, not so much like live for the day, but actually like live for the moment, like what you said. Because I think so often or not, it's either we're so fixated on the past or our guilt and our shame of what happens in the past. And then... We think too far ahead in our future and just stressing about the future, but we don't take enough time to just be still with where we're at. And that's exactly what you were just saying. 
Well, folks, do yourself a favor, walk outside, go and look and appreciate how insanely amazing the universe truly is. Sorry if we got a bit nerdy and shanky in this episode, but sometimes, just sometimes, faith can be proved by science. We hope you enjoyed this episode and maybe even found a new appreciation for everything around and above you. Have the most incredible week.